Well, listen, uh, it's with uh, great pleasure. I got an echo now. You can turn that down whenever you get a minute there. He says, okay. It's with great pleasure that uh, I introduce our guest speaker today. Um, I have seen him out there working with him, young men. And I'm going to tell you what, although he's a world champion bull rider, he's a world champion Christian and a worker for Christ and one of the warriors we have on the battlefield for Christ. Without further ado, Brother Scott Mendez. Uh, well, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I just want to let you guys know that it's a privilege and an honor to be here in the house of the Lord today. Uh, from the very first moment, many of you know my friend, um, Marty. And as Marty O'Brien called me, we prayed about it, and it just seemed like a very good fit for, for me to be able to come here and to work with the young men, and then that the church would support us. So, Pastor, thank you very much for Top Rail Cowboy Church and what God is doing here as a congregation and in the lives of young men. Uh, it's exciting. It, it's uh, in, in an old bar that the devil's been run out of, and God is using the house. And uh, there's a lot. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. I tell you, I love working with young people because uh, I try to think I can remember when I was young. But, but we all know what it was like when we were young. We had uh, a little bit of trouble making right choices, placing our identity to the various things that we were doing in life. So as I stand before you, I stand before you today as a humbled man. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life and being able to share with the young people is really the same message that I could share with you folks today. I don't believe that you can effectively minister on something that you haven't lived through or overcome. Amen? And, and that's really my story. I won't take a lot of time today in, in sharing. I'll share some of my testimony because I think it relates to what we want to talk about. Um, we do have some CDs. They're just $10, $15. My wife and I work in the media industry, so we got involved in making uh, Christian family films, and we've got mobile apps. I'm a believer that if technology is moving forward, the body of Christ needs to match it. The young people go, and they get their... Um, nose in their phones and on their tablets, computers, and even old folks, and we spend so much time that it just, it, it really begins to shape our life and our heart and our thoughts, and so it's important that we do that. So anyway, that's back there. I'll, I'd love to meet you as I get, get over there. Um, I say that we pray this morning. I like to read a little uh, opening devotion that relates to our message this morning, and again, I'm humbled to be here, and I'm really thankful for the hospitality of this church. Everybody's been serving. In fact, before we pray, uh, where's my bull riders? There's a lot of them. Will you guys stand up? And Marty, anybody that helped with the bull riding school this weekend, will you stand up? <laughs> Pastor, thank you guys very much. They're kind of like my wife. Don't embarrass me. Don't make me stand up. I'm going to take my hat off, too. I remember my grandma spanking me for wearing it in church. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day. It's a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we thank you for your son. Lord, Jesus has done everything for us. Lord, as we come into your presence, I ask that your Holy Spirit minister to the hearts and the minds of your children. Help us, Lord, to be receptive, receptive to what you are saying. Lord, let it come from you and not me. So this morning, we lift you up and exalt you above all things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I just want to tell you this. You know, the first half of my career when I was competing, I didn't know 
any more than what my grandmother had told me when I was a child. She said that uh, in my insecurities, you know, just start there for a second. Uh, my mom was a pastor's daughter. I had multiple stepfathers, an older brother that raised me in the early 70s in Fort Worth, Texas. You can imagine we loved the Dallas Cowboys. We were latchkey kids. It wasn't uncommon to come home. My mom had a lot of trouble, but I had a praying grandmother, and whenever things were tough, my mom would drop us off at my grandmother's house, and she would teach us the Word of God. The Bible says, train a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I believe I'm a byproduct of that, and I believe there's people in here praying for unsaved, lost ones. I want to encourage you to never give up. Because the whole thing about my message this morning and my life and, and whoever's life that you can parallel from the Bible is that God is no respecter of a person. What he did for Billy Graham, what he did for Moses, he's going to do for me and he's going to do it for you. Amen? But there are, amen, give the Lord a hand clap, amen. <clears throat> there, there's no shortcuts in your Christian walk and growing spiritually. It's the same way with bull riding. This week, I've been working with young men on just a couple little fundamental things that if they will implement that and apply it to their writing, they'll do well. They know that when they leave here this afternoon, they're going to have to water that seed that has been planted and practice and become disciplined and to see themselves the way God sees them and to work hard. It's not by works that we're saved. We're saved by grace. I understand that. But we have to grow spiritually. Amen. Many of the folks that I minister to in my travel, they answered an altar call one day and they sat down. They thought that they were ready to go to heaven after that. I'm here to tell you that God gave us dominion and he told us to subdue this earth and to have authority and to walk in victory in our life. Amen? That doesn't mean it's going to be easy to be a Christian. I look around the room. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of various backgrounds and occupations. When I became a Christian, it got real. That's where the rubber met the road for me. As an athlete, I started to have endorsements that I could no longer take because my character had changed. Amen? So never, ever compromise your core value. Know what you believe because I'm here to tell you, even the enemy knows the word of God and he can twist it. If you remember how the enemy took the Holy Spirit, led Jesus out to the wilderness for 40 days and he began to say, surely he didn't say or did he say? I want to say today that everything that we know that we believe should be an exclamation point with power and a confidence that we know God's word. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is uh, living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of joint uh, from soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Amen. Hebrews 4.12, that is what the word of God was. I went as far as to put a sword on my shaps once I became a Christian. And that would remind me. I also had a set of praying hands for my grandmother because she said that I was going to be in the Lord's hand if I walked with him. I want to say this this morning, that God loves you right where you're at enough to bring you here this morning. And if you really want to be scared, you can know that he's coming back soon because he sent a crazy old bull rider like me to minister to you this morning. Amen. <laughs> God must be getting at the bottom of the barrel, Pastor. <laughs> barrel racers and bull riders, yeah, it's just an inside rodeo joke. <laughs> but honestly, God loves you, and he loves us enough to not leave us where we're at. And many times we get into the ruts and the routines of our life, and it becomes a struggle. It's not that we love God any less or that we don't want God to use us. But we're not cooperating, and through the process of time, what happens, things begin to get watered down, compromised, put off the things that we know 
that we should do today for another day. And after a while, the Bible says this, that it is the little foxes that spoil the vine. Amen. My message to us today is just the name of the bull riding school, Conquering the Beast. When you watch a great bull ride in the arena, you see somebody that has perfected their art. It's a great ride, and you're going, wow, how did he do that? It looked good. But when you see a ride gone bad, and there's somebody hanging up and bullfighters running in and just a lot of storm, it's not that he didn't do anything um, wrong or that he you know, had something bad coming his way, but he could have broken a simple little rule. Something could happen, which is a dangerous sport. I'm trying to explain to these men that even as a Christian bull rider, it's not that, that God is riding that bull, per se, with you in the physical. Now, he's in your heart, and he wants you to do well, and he's going to be there with you. In other words, you can pray over your bull, you can prepare, but you still have a chance if you get in front of a bull that he will run you over. Amen? And so I want to parallel that, that there's an enemy that is facing our lives every day when our feet hit the ground. Amen? I want to read this this morning. I'm not the best reader, but I think it'll open this up. I delight in God's law, but I see another law working, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. You never are defeated until you are defeated on the inside. That's when the attack will come. If you're not expecting it, you won't be prepared. It was while Samson slept that Delilah stripped him of his power. It was while the servant slept that an enemy sowed tares among the wheat. Peter said this, Be watchful for your enemy. Goeth around like a luring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Paul wrote this in Thessalonians church, and he said, We would have to have come unto you, but Satan hindered us. If Satan could do that to Paul, imagine what he could do to, to you. Satan loves it when we downplay his power, for he does his best work in the dark. Anybody who could delay the answers of Daniel's prayer for 21 days is a force to be reckoned with. One of his strategies to us is to use old programming. These are the weeds that were planted in you as a child that, that need to be uprooted before they are sabotaging your future. For an example, if you believe that somehow that God is against success, you won't even put your foot on the ladders, on the rung of the ladder, much less climb to the top. If you believe that you are not good enough, then you will never come boldly to the throne of grace and, and get what's rightfully available to you. Pull, pull down these weeds and declare with David, this I know, for God is for me. He really is. Amen? Isn't it good to know that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for everything over our life? I know sometimes we get religious and we, we want to take pieces of what God did for us, and we love taking all the icing off the cake and eating what's simple and what's good when he blesses us. The real question is, are we humbled and are we thanking God for those blessings? Because it's easy when the blessings are coming, you're on the top of the mountain and you're gaining all the success and the accolade, but are you really giving God the honor and the credit for being the one that's doing that? Amen? And if we don't, then we understand that there's an opposite side of that in our life. So as I talk to you this morning a little bit, about parallel in life and the spiritual struggles that we in, we know that there's a force to be reckoned with. His name is Satan. He, uh, he's been around a long time. He's dealt with men's hearts. He's dealt with their minds. He is a deceiver. He is the accuser of the brethren. And he comes in any shape and form. And I think that when the Bible says in John 10.10 10, that a thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy, 
But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Amen? See, if the devil walked in here with a machine gun, we'd know that he'd be trying to shoot us. He doesn't do that. But what he can come in here in our life with is a thought, an old programming, something that somebody spoke over you when you were a child. And believe me, with several stepfathers, uh, I had things spoken over my life. I didn't have what it took to, to be a great champion in rodeo, but I worked at it. And through the process and even a defining moment in my life, God showed me very clearly what he wanted me to do. And it didn't have anything to do with a gold buckle. He wanted a relationship with me personally. I could win the world a thousand times over, and I could stand before God on judgment day and say, Lord, look at what I've done and present that to him. That's not going to enter me into heaven. Amen? There's one way into heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man should come unto the Father but by me. And so getting to know Jesus was very important. Uh, before I knew the Lord, I was a closet Christian. I had a desire in my heart. But my mind wasn't renewed to God's word. I heard one scripture that changed me forever. And everywhere I go and probably on every tape back there, you'll hear me quote Romans 12 two: Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and prove what is God's perfect and pleasing will for your life. Amen. What is God's will? God's will is in his word for you and I this morning. We don't know the word. We don't know the playbook. And how are we going to grow spiritually as Christians? See, as a church, we have to be growing spiritually. Paul said that we are to put away the formal childly thinking and the milk of the word, and we are to grow into the meat of the word. We're to have nourishment as a spiritual person in our life. We feed our physical body sometimes way too many times a day, but how many times do we pray? Smith Wigglesworth, a great prophet, he had said, and I heard this when I was first a Christian, he said, God is going to move among three groups of people. He said, the black, the youth, and the American cowboy. And I was only a Christian. Do you think that God wanted me to hear that? When I heard that, I got so excited that God could use cowboys. That's why I love sharing with these young cowboys that God can use you and God will use you. But first you have to come to him and don't try to clean yourself up before you come. Come as you are. God knows where you are. He knows your heart. He knows every hair on the top of your head. So for me in my life, when I was trying to be a good person and I couldn't separate myself from the tailgate parties, I didn't have the character in my life. But eventually I fell in love with Jesus and Jesus radically transformed me. And he said, Scott, I know you love me with your heart, but where's your mind? You do not know my word. You're not going to be able to defend yourself in spiritual warfare and in battle. Amen. A lot of times when I travel, I print out some notes because I know a lot of times we don't have a, a lot of time to flip to scriptures. But Colossians 3 is a wonderful scripture, and it says this. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which were, are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. For, he, for you died, and in your life is hidden in Christ." Uh, Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will also appear with him in glory. Amen? You will be amazed if you break down God's word how much he talks about man's heart. The Bible says, where the heart is, there is your treasure. Out of the mouth will proceed the words of your heart. If you want to understand where somebody's walk is and somebody's relationship with God, listen to their speech for about five minutes. You'll learn very clearly. And being a professional athlete, I was in board meetings with sponsors and starting new groups that I would eventually walk away from because I had to compromise my core values to be there. 
cost millions of dollars to do what I did, and I'm not bragging what I was, what I did, but I can say this. I walked out of the boat on God's word when he called me. He said, you can either follow men or you can follow me. Amen. How many know I said, I want to follow Jesus, and I'm here today to ask you to follow Jesus with everything you have, all of your heart. Jeremiah 29 says that you'll find me when you seek me and you follow me with all your heart, all your heart. Well, what is your heart? God spoke into a man's spirit. He breathed life. The soul of a man is a mind, a will, and emotion, and then you have your physical flesh. My flesh was ruling my life, and we've all been there. A carnal Christian, a carnal man, even before you're a Christian, your flesh sees it, looks at it. I want it. I got to have it. Even if I can't pay for it, I'll put it on a credit card and pay for it tomorrow. How many know that's the devil's workshop? Amen. So God, God really wants to bless us, and he wants us to have things, but he doesn't want the things to have us. And so it's important to know where we're at in those areas in our life. So the thing that I want to share with you this morning is the importance of controlling your thoughts. Where do those thoughts come from? Why am I having them? The Bible talks clearly about a stronghold. That's where you keep coming up to the same place in your life. And you're not able to get over that wall, break through that wall into victory and go to another stage of your life. Is it negative programming? Is it the enemy speaking to you? Is it uh, getting kind of a religious mindset instead of having a religious focus? Let me just say this about religion. Religion, uh, a definition of religion is when people worship God for what he's done in the past, but they resist him for what he's trying to do in the present. I was rodeoing. I, I love God in my heart. I wasn't renewed to his mind, so what happened to my Bible? It got thrown down in the bottom of my rigging bag, maybe in the glove box of my truck. Today, as I walk with the Lord, I get my Bible out and I read it daily, every morning. In fact, when I don't hear God's instructions or God's witness into my life, I feel drained and depleted. And I know that I can't go more than a half a day or a couple of days to read my Bible to clearly see what God wants me to do as a father, as a role model, as an athlete, any of those things. I've got to know what God wants me to do so his word is prevalent. And so when God talks about the mind and the heart of a person, you have to understand it's the soul of man and it's the spirit of man, and that's the heart. That's the inner person. That's where we are to grow spiritually with character and bearing and producing fruit in our life. We all need stewardship. We all need to be discipled. We need to grow spiritually. And the enemy is going to set up all kinds of pitfalls and distractions and hindrances in our life. So we all know that when we're walking with God, all of a sudden, uh, you know, here comes the enemy and things begin to happen. And it's almost so predictable. Even Paul says it in Romans 7. He said, there is another member inside of my body. And I'm paraphrasing a lot, just giving you scripture. But he says it's sin. That sin is so predictable because I'm trying to do right. And I'm trying to walk with God. And all of a sudden, it begins to fall down all around me. And I want to encourage you, when you see that, what do you do? You get into a place, and you begin to identify what it is, and then you have warfare with it and overcome it. The Bible is full of truths about importance of controlling our mind. Unbelievers set our minds on the things that naturally come to humans, such as pursuing sensual, selfish, and materialistic things. God gives disobedient people over to their deprived mind. Romans chapter 1. You know, they, caught, they started making imageries and idols in their own heart. 
for me, rodeo became an idol. And if that idol was bigger than my relationship with God, I'm worshiping rodeoing more than I'm worshiping God. Amen. You can do it with a spouse. You can do it with your work. You can do it with your own physical health. We begin to speak those things over our life. And before we know it, they begin to take root. The Bible says that seed has to fall into the ground and die to itself to find your life. You would have to die. But a lot of times when that seed dies in the ground, um, it's very similar to even our thoughts and our hearts. Amen. So, so make sure that you're putting the real word of God into your heart and it's producing the principles of God. You have to live by his principles. What are his principles? You have to get in the word and to begin to discover them for yourself. Amen. The enemy loves it when we don't read our Bible. The enemy loves it when we don't tithe. The enemy loves when we're just being, um, going through the motions but not having that relationship in our life. Amen. The strong relationship. We have to be careful that our minds aren't led away by, uh, from pure devotion to Christ. See, sometimes even good things can lead us away from God if it's not Christ-centered. We can do too much of a good thing, but if Christ is not in the middle of it, it's still taking us away from the relationship of God. Controlling our thoughts as a vital part of spiritual warfare. Now, I won't take time to turn there, but obviously in Ephesians 6, and this is something that I visually laid hand on my bulls before I wrote them, but I put myself in the full armor of God so that I may stand against the wiles of the enemy. I think the enemy plants the fiery darts of suggestion. He tells you, you know, just like he did with Jesus, he says uh, he tempts you and he twists the word. And Jesus said what? He would always go back and say, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of the Father. Amen? So when Satan comes to me, do I uh, not do anything back? Do I turn? Do I go the other way? Do I give up? Or do I stand there and say, I know that's coming from you, devil, because the word of God says this, and I am what the word says I am. Amen? Then we can walk out and we'll be able to produce the kind of victory that God has in our life. So putting on the full armor of God starts with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. When I got on a bull, I even had silver shaps, and I was the first guy to ever make my vest silver because I wanted to be a light. I wanted to be a witness for Christ, and Christ had changed my heart, and now I'm out of the closet, and I'm talking about my relationship to other people. It was kind of challenging because they called me a Jesus freak. I was like Tim Tebow persecution, you know, and they thought they could te uh, test me with money. If I didn't wear a certain sticker on an interview on TV, they would take money away from me and wouldn't give me bonus money. I said, you can keep that money. But eventually I worked myself into doing camps and what I'm doing today, following Christ. And at night when I lay my head down, I have a clear conscience, and I want that for every person in here today. The enemy is a, a deceiver. He's a tormentor. He plants a negative thought in our mind, and if we water it and we don't uproot it and we don't pull that out as we read in our devotion this morning, then it's going to start to make a stronghold in our life. And that stronghold is something that we can't get over. The Bible says, and I'm quoting all these just so I don't have to turn for it, in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says this, it says that we are to have the mind, uh, not only to have the mind of Christ, but that we are to tear down those things, those vain imaginations that exalt themselves higher than the word of God. And so we take those thoughts and we make them captive. We make them obedient to God's word. 
See, when we get tempted, that just means that you're on a right road. You're trying to do things for God. Who is it that stepped into your race and is trying to knock you off course? Satan himself. Amen? So there is a number of spiritual things that we need to do. The Holy Spirit enables us to walk out our Christian life. He died for our old life and was raised to walk in the newness of life. That total transformation could be compared from a caterpillar to a butterfly. I remember, honestly, folks, they took me to from a place like this to my hotel room one night on a bellman's cart. Can't walk, drinking. I didn't. I wasn't an alcoholic, but if I won Pendleton, I was going to play cowboy. Amen. That's what I was exposed to. My dad is tough cowboys. My father was not a Christian. He's still coming to the Lord. My mom was, but that was confusing because if my mom was the one that was uh, over my life and we had all these broken relationships, she had a lot of warfare for just being a pastor's daughter. She was trying to find the answers to life. But I was exposed to a lot of stuff. And so I'm thinking, hey, I want to be a cowboy and I want to be just like my dad's friends or I want to be just like that rodeo champion that I see on TV. But the Bible says this, what is it that a man gained the whole world but loses his own soul? And what will he give in exchange for his soul? These are simple passages of the Bible that God presents to us every day. And we have to keep them in the forefront of our minds so that we can make sure that when the devil's talking to us, we can renounce him. We can break that stronghold over our life. We can press into what God says we are, and we can produce that victory in our life. It's, it's not by work. See, salvation is by a decision and in a moment of time. Sanctification takes a lifetime to live out and to grow. Every day you're planting a harvest. Every day you're fighting the devil, the, the negative people or saying stuff over your family, whatever it is, you're fighting to cultivate that harvest that Jesus said will be white and ready for harvest by paying attention and taking care of the things of God. Here's what happened. Our culture gets going so fast, we just join in and we start floating downstream with everybody else because why? Traditionally, it's the thing to do. God's word says that the tradition of man will nullify the effects and the power and the works of God. So we have to be careful. And I'm not talking about that in here in the house of God, but I'm talking about in our workplace. I'm talking about how we were taught with our family members at the holidays and everybody's around the Thanksgiving table and we're hearing these things, but it's contrary to what pastor is teaching. And you're going, which one do I believe? And the, and the enemy wants you to see the ones that are prospering are the ones that are living out there like hell in the world, if you will. And you're looking at that going, well, maybe I sh they're doing pretty good over there, Pastor. But I'm not going to compromise and walk out there because here's the thing, and I want to share this quickly. My defining moment was standing on the back of my buck and shoot in 1994. I was in a position to win a world title. My friend's bull came out. There was four of us left. He, his bull came out, traveled right in front of my chute, and I was excited. I lived my whole life. If I could get this gold buckle, that it was going to make somebody out of me. I was deceived. Bull comes over. My friend's riding. About six seconds, he gets thrown off, hangs his spur in his rope, and slides his body over. And the bull takes a big jump in the air, comes down, and steps right on the side of his head and kills him. And I'm next to ride, and I've got a bull that I've always wanted to get on. I was fixing to win the world. So I'm laying there, and as my friend was there, life was, I remember asking my grandmother when we were left with her one time as a child. This is part of my testimony. I said, Grandma, what happens when our life is done here on earth? She said, oh, that's very easy, Scott. And I was insecure, probably 8, 9, 10 years old. Could hear gunshots on the other side of Fort Worth. My grandmother lived very close to downtown. So we were scared children. 
My grandmother said, when your life is done on this earth, you will go before the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to evaluate your life. And if you've lived your life holy and pleasing and honoring to your Lord, that you could enter into heaven. I said, but grandma, what if we're not? She said, that's simple too. It's just the contrary, that you would be asked and be escorted by God's angels from his presence from eternity and thrown into the pits of hell forever and ever, and that you wouldn't die, that your soul would live on and be tormented. I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm not up here to, 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 to make any games, but I do want to ask every person within the sound of my voice, have you made your heart right with God? God loves you. And if you're given half of your heart, you're going to get half of a harvest. But here's the day. When the day comes and we're standing before our Lord and we say, Lord, Lord, you know, I did your work. I did good things for you. He's going to say that day, depart from me for I never knew you. And when my friend was laying there lifeless, I had even talked to him about that months before the finals about how to become a Christian because he was in some religious beliefs. So I believe my friend is in heaven. But as I realized, if that was me standing there, all the prayers of my grandmother, rodeo chaplains, people in my life that prayed for me, and I was kind of walking around trying to discover my true identity, I would have heard those words, depart from me, I never knew you. And this happened to me on a moment that was something that I thought I had to have to be used of God. And that was a championship. I use it today correctly, but that was in 1994, Pastor. I would wait three more years. I got bucked off that moment. I was not even in a place to ride. The bull that I got bucked off of, I rode him two months later for 17,094 points. And you can believe I was going to let him have it the next time I had him. But my point is that God knew that I wasn't ready that day to have the responsibilities of what I carry today. And I think maybe somebody in here today, whether you're a businessman or a father or a bull riding student, needs to hear that because it's not about things. People, places, and things don't make us happy. And they're not going to certainly get us into heaven. There's one thing that gets us into heaven, and that's falling humbly on your face and saying, Jesus Christ, here are the reins of my life. Lead my life. I will serve you. I will do whatever you say, even if it is that he tells you to come out from among them and be ye separate. And that's what he told me. Are you going to follow this group of bull riders for a whole lot of money and a bad, bad endorsement and tough things that I shouldn't be a part of? Or are you going to be a witness for me and allow me to lead your life? And I want you guys to understand it's not easy to do it because the Bible says apart from him I can do nothing, but with him inside of my heart I can do all things. When I read his word and I look at the epistles and I look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and when he's, his word is talking to me, I'm going, there's no way I can do that. But then I remember under his anointing and under walking on his word, his commandments to step out and to follow him, he's already moving heaven and hell and earth and his word shall endure forever. And he's lining that up to where I can do it. And he's doing it in such a fashion that he gets the glory and not me. Amen. He's probably done it in our life, but just remember this. Give him the glory for where you're at today because the enemy has probably been trying to take you out a long time ago. And if he could, he would have already. But we've got to get this thing renewed to God's word. We've got to get our thinking right so that we know what we're producing in our life. Amen. So that day when my friend laid there lifeless, I realized if that was me, I was going to hell doing good things for the Lord. They say that hell is lined up with good intentions. So if you're in here today and you're serving God with good intentions, you're planning to doing some good things, I just want to ask you this, or you're trying to do things in your own effort, you have to stop that today. 
Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. What are his commandments? For somebody that is unsaved, the Bible even says in 1 Corinthians that the word of God is foolishness to those that don't know the word of God and have a relationship with God. I would never want to speak over anybody's head here. If you don't know Jesus Christ, maybe some of this sounds a little alien. But I said it in the beginning. He's no respecter of a person. If he changed my life, he wants to change your life here. We didn't just come for songs and fellowship. We came to hear the written rhema word of God in our life. Amen. Because it's this word, which is Jesus himself. When he died on that cross, he died for everything that we would come to, not the pieces that we want or the pieces that are easy. And I promise you that if you'll put your burdens and your cares and cast them upon the Lord, he will begin to do a deep work in your life. The Bible says he takes a stony heart out and he'll put in a fleshly heart, a heart of compassion, a heart of wisdom, a heart of discernment and understanding what he's doing in our life. So for me, it was a lot better to work with God, being what he created me to be, than resisting that and allowing the world and the culture that I lived in to overtake me and to tell me what I was going to be in their world, in their system. Amen? So there's two systems out there, heaven and hell. God runs his all the time, and I want everybody in here today to make that decision about where is your heart. Out of the heart proceeds wickedness, murders, adulteries, fornication. There's bad things in our heart because we were born into a, a flesh. The flesh since Adam has been separated from God. But when Jesus came in that New Testament and he died by that pure blood being shed for you and I, now we can come into his presence. We have to ask him. Jesus said, I'm knocking on the door of your heart this morning. And I want to ask everybody in here that if you've never opened the door of your heart to Jesus Christ, now is a good time to do that. Amen? Don't put that off. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We never know. It's the next bull ride, the car ride, home, the, the things. Things can happen, and we've all seen that happen. I'm not here to scare you. I'm only here to present the Word of God to you this morning. Amen? Will you stand with me? I know I'm get into notes and out of note. I think I always love ministering without notes. So the thing is about the, the condition of our hearts, the renewing of our mind, we know that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He would love no more than to ruin a young person's life, to destroy a family unit the way God intended for it to be. And I love, I love in Romans where it talks about the work of the flesh. It says, when we walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For when the, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary one to another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But here we go. But say that when they say, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are all those things I did, outbursts, wrath, selfishness, envy, murder. But he says this, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's cut and dry. And before I was saved, Pastor, I would read that, but my heart wasn't open to it. And I was reading just in case my friends that were rodeoing would ask me something about the Bible. And I could, you know, reference it and flip to it. Today, I know it in my heart. Because he set me free from that. When you realize that you're not going to enter into heaven, folks, because of the things that you're trying to do or you're involved in, it's time to get real 
God used a defining moment. I want to tell you this this morning. You do not have to wait for a defining moment. You can make a decision now that will change your destiny forever. Amen? So the works of the flesh would not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the goal of this church. The churches that I visit around the world is to make sure that we know who we are as Christians and at least we're on the path. And it's really not even the church. It's the relationship that you have when your hand locks hands with the one that created the world, Jesus Christ. And that hand is available for every one of us. And if you were like me in my childhood, in my career, the first half, I was hard-headed. I was programmed. And as we read this morning, even the enemy uses that old programming. So when you have the helmet of salvation on and you're reading God's word, you're ingesting good material, the seed of God's word, and now you can produce the effects of God's word other than just sitting in church once, once you know, a couple hours on Sunday. We need God every day. Pastor, they tell me the size of a church is those who will come out on a Wednesday prayer meeting. Amen. And so I encourage you to get involved and to allow pastor. I know today we have a baptism after this service. But if you'll allow me to take just a moment, I want to understand there's two types of people. God does want to forgive your sin. God has two kinds of people that he needs to repent. Those that don't think they need to, those that should. Repenting is turning from your former ways and pressing into the things of God. And it starts with a simple prayer. Even your own salvation is ABC. You must first admit that you are a sinner. Secondly, you must believe that Jesus is Christ and that God raised him from the dead. And thirdly, you must confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Amen? Amen. And when you do that and you're baptized with a public uh, demonstration of what's going on on an inward decision, now you go to your school, you go to your family, you become the light and the salt and the fruit of this earth. And I believe where we're at in our country, the Christians have been a little bit dormant. Amen? We prayed as the elders of this church just a few minutes ago about a revival. Revival is great corporately, but it can start every morning individually. And it's like a fire and an anointing. When it's on you, it rubs off on your family. It rubs off other people. And before you know it, it's a radical wildfire. And California don't have anything on that kind of fire. Amen? I love you guys. And I know that God is ministering to you through his Holy Spirit. It's not me. I'm just the Pony Express. I'm coming through with what he tells me to share out of his word. But the word of God shall endure forever, and heaven and earth will pass away. We have to learn that word, whether it's here or whether we're in heaven. There's two things you take to heaven with you, your spiritual man and friends. And I see a whole lot of friends here. If any of us was to go, I want to make sure we're all going in the first wagon load with a little cowboy philosophy. Amen? Amen. That second one's going to be a little tougher, if you know what I mean. So I want to pray with you this morning as you bow your heads. Will you bow your heads with me? <clears throat> I'm just going to kind of pray over you a little bit, but I want to ask you some questions and give you time to ponder that. Heavenly Father, we are so humbled and so grateful of your word. Father, if it was not for your son and what he has done for us, we would be defeated. But as we've read this morning and heard this morning that we're not defeated until we're defeated on the inside. And I thank you, Father, that on the inside we're growing stronger and stronger. And even though our flesh is passing away, our spiritual man is discerning. And, Lord, as we feed our spiritual man this morning, it comes to a place of decision. And I want to pray for every one of my brothers and sisters in this auditorium this morning that if they had never made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, that they would ask you into, your, into, the, in, you into their heart, Father. 
Lord, we've explained how. We've talked about how the enemy comes. We've explained what the power of our thoughts does in our life. But, Lord, we have to be willing. Father, your word says to be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, that we would begin on a wrong foot, that we would be deceived. And so, Father, right now, I just ask as we pray that you would receive your children. Congregation, with every head bowed, I ask you to pray after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I've heard the word of God this morning, and I believe it in my heart. I've been trying to do stuff on my own, the cares of this world, the materialism, the responsibilities have led me astray. I ask you right now to come into my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to fill me with your spirit, and I will live for you every day. Now, Lord, help me to forgive those who have wronged me as you have truly forgiven me. I will be free, but I will be in debt to you. Father, love me unconditionally, and teach me to do the same to those around me. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask Pastor to come back up here. Guys, thank you so much. I know my voice is pretty rough from screaming at the bull riders. Um, I'm going to let Pastor set up the baptism. If you guys are here and you'll give us kind of 30 minutes after church, the kids have already been on five or six bulls and they want to keep riding. Come out, support them. I'd love to shake your hand, sign you a picture in the back. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the spirit in this house. Lord God, we thank you for the baptism that we're going to witness, Lord, as the angels will be celebrating in heaven. And Lord God, we ask that you just bless the food that we're about to partake in, Lord. Just bless those that prepared it and are setting it out. Lord, may it bring nourishment to our body and our body to your service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.